0: Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips.
1: I'm Molly Bay.
0: Today is May 5th, 2019, 122 days until kickoff.
1: It's Cinco de Mayo. Really? Yeah.
0: How did I not know that? (laughs) Are you serious? Why am I sober?
1: I know. I need some tequila.
0: We got... Oh, we take off tequila. <laughs> all right. Kind of a slow news couple of days for the Buccaneers, but a few things want to go over. Najee Good was signed by the Jaguars, ex-Buccaneer player. Nothing.
1: <laughs> Nothing. How long ago?
0: How long ago was he signed? No.
1: How long ago was he with the Buccaneers?
0: Oh, not long uh, With when Keith Tandy was here. Him and Keith Tandy were best friends. They were both drafted from uh, uh, Washington, uh, West Virginia. And they came as like a package deal.
1: Uh. Oh, I remember that. So do you think Keith Tandy will go to the Jags?
0: Where is Keith Tandy?
1: I don't think he was. He was with Atlanta. They waived him. And then I don't know.
0: I swear we did a uh, fact check on him a while back.
1: He's a free agent.
0: He currently is a free agent. Ain't that something? How Najee Good gets picked up, but Keith Tandy doesn't. I was really upset when we got rid of Keith Tandy. I, I know. Liked I liked him. Keith Candy. That's what I called
1: <laughs> him. He was always a hustler. He was always trying. Yeah,
0: and he made plays. Yeah. Najee Good never really saw the field when he was with us. I think he was only on the team two years, and I'm not sure if he ever played any.
1: Must be why I didn't recognize the name. Yeah. JCPR
0: paul is doing fine after his car accident, apparently.
1: It happened Thursday night after we recorded our podcast, so that's why it wasn't on the last episode.
0: Yeah, she's texting me at 11 o'clock at night. JVB got in a car wreck. I know. So I'm freaking out, doing all kinds of It was
1: a single car crash. He had a passenger, probably his wife. I don't know, though.
0: I thought he was a passenger. Oh, maybe. I don't know.
1: There was no citation-issued single car crash. He went to the hospital, then was released.
0: Usually when it's a single car crash, it's alcohol involved, but he...
1: They didn't press any charges, so...
0: Apparently he was not
1: drunk. Yeah. Which is good. Well, it might have been just, you know, you go too fast around a curb and your car flips, or... Yeah, You veer off the road and nail a telephone pole or something. Well, most... Any number of things. Most
0: paramedics will tell you when they get a call, or most police officers, when they get a call for a single car crash, 99.9% of the time it's alcohol-related.
1: Probably. You're probably right.
0: Uh, He did remove all of his Instagram posts shortly after the accident. It's kind of scary, though, because, you know, JPP had his fingers blown off back in...
1: When he was with the Giants.
0: Yes. So, you know, uh, the guy's not prone to not having an accident (laughs) and getting hurt. But, you know, he came through with getting his fingers blown off, so I imagine a car wreck is just its nothing to him, blip on the radar.
1: Well, I think it does remind you of your mortality, and it probably brought up a lot of feelings from his prior accident with his hand, you know, nearly losing his hand. And there was an interview with him on the Buccaneers.com website, I think about a year ago, when he talked about the accident and how much it really changes your life. Going through something like that. And it was like, it was the worst pain that he had ever experienced in his life. And so when he's in pain now, he has perspective. He plays through it because he's like, there's nothing that even compares to what happened with my hand.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, peaks and valleys and all that. The right. Greater the valley, the more you appreciate the peaks. Whatever. Yeah, but he he did post on Instagram yesterday. I think it was he put a picture up and he basically said, "I'm taking a break from social media for spiritual healing."
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Yeah.
1: And you do, you got to get your mind right. I think for the season coming up and
0: can't let it be a distraction.
1: Right. So I think he probably between the car accident and the season coming up, he is just trying to. Get everything in order. So I hope he recovers quickly and we'll see him at practice soon.
0: Yeah, he's going to get a ton of questions about it, I'm sure.
1: Probably. We'll, we'll
0: probably we'll probably answer a couple of them and be like, all right, that's it, done. Yeah. Don't anybody ask me anymore. And they won't because he's he's a little intimidating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but you never know. Jenna Lame might ask him a whole bunch of questions Maybe about it. She'll ask him how he's feeling. I wanted to touch on that a little bit. You know, I give Jenna Lame a hard time. I'm being funny. It's I General know. Okay. i know. Mom's getting with this look like. A look. Come on, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I give Jen a hard time. We give the media down there a hard time a lot. But, you know, it's really, we're just we're just goofing with them. We do not dislike them, don't hate them. We're not calling for anybody to be fired or anything like that. They're part of the team, you know, but just like with the Buccaneers players, I want to hold them accountable. If you're asking silly questions or you're being silly, I want to call you out. If you ain't blocking your man, I'm going to call you out. <laughs> Exactly. General Lane needs to start blocking her man.
1: I watched some more of those press conferences from last week, and she actually did ask some good questions. And Todd McNair actually said to one of her questions, which I'll touch on later, that was a really good question. And then he kind of thought about what she was saying and gave a thoughtful answer.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. She was asking some good questions, and then there were some not-so-good questions, but... There were some other stupid questions from other people.
0: So, <laughs> you know, I should have talked to, ask Greg about this. And I wanted to ask him, how do you come up with these questions? Because, you know, there's a ton of questions I would love to ask players and coaches. But I think during the heat of the moment, you kind of forget. Or you just feel like they're not appropriate or something. Because some of these questions, you're just like, really, why would you ask that? Of all the questions to ask, why would you ask that? The one I can't stand the most is, how do you feel... About blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's the one that drives me crazy. How do you feel?
1: My favorite is when they ask Bill Belichick that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's got the best responses.
1: His press conferences are just unbelievable.
0: I, I, does the media hate him or love him up there? Yes. <laughs> they love him because he's a winner, but they hate him because he doesn't give them any...
1: Yes. Yes. The, one of the Joes talks about... Well, they love to call him Bella cheat but they, said, They've always
0: got a nickname for something. Yeah,
1: but that... He just hates the media. I think they
0: hate, I think... If I was in that profession, I would hate him. But I tell you what, Bruce Arians is very masterful at the way he handles the media. He makes them like him. Yeah. And he answers the questions very well, but he also uses it as a weapon. Yeah. Or as a uh, megaphone. Mm-hmm. He uses the media, which to me, that's very smart.
1: I think so, too.
0: Although, Belichick's way is not... Too dumb either. You know, just don't give <laughs> well, him anything. He,
1: he wins. That's why he can do that. <laughs> if he didn't win, oh, yeah. he'd be gone. If
0: he was still the coach of the Cleveland Browns, he yeah, he, he'd have been run right out of town in six months. Like
1: I think him and Lovey are kind of on the same level with their press conferences.
0: Lovey's press conferences were just painful to get through.
1: I know. Well, think about if Bill Belichick wasn't a winner.
0: You'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, dude, you got him. You better get out there and entertain us, because yeah. your team ain't. Yeah, I listened to the pewter report podcast the other night. It was really good. I'm going to uh, listen
1: to it tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. My, that you said it. Yeah. And there's sometimes a struggle to get through for I, me. I enjoy
0: it, man. The I'm building up and it's probably going to be sucky when you listen to it, but they did bring up the, the a few insider things. But One of the things I really enjoyed was they brought up the ping pong table and the basketball goal that was in the locker
1: room. I just started thinking about that the other day and I realized that we hadn't gotten an answer on it. And I wonder if I saw something on Twitter a reference to it, and then it got me thinking about it.
0: Oh well, they have said they're gone. Those those two items in the locker room are gone, probably in the trash.
1: I didn't know that there was a basketball hoop. BA probably took them to the parking lot with a sledgehammer. Yeah, what I imagine happened. <laughs>
0: and played music while he crushed them. <laughs> right. But uh, what, what they what I found interesting about that the discussion on Pewter Report podcast was, and see see how good players we are. We're team players. We're always pushing everybody else. You know, who else does that? Nobody,
1: know. let's, let's pat ourselves on the back. Let's do that. Let's pat, pat ourselves on the more. back a little bit. I
0: think I just threw my shoulder out of joint, <laughs> patting myself on the back. Uh, they, they, they said that some players would actually run off the field to the locker room, even after we lost a game. They'd run off the field to get to the locker room to play ping pong. And then they said, but we're not going to mention any names. <laughs> well, Mike Cook decided. Mark Cook. Mark Cook. I have a friend named Mike Cook, is why I always <laughs> do that. <laughs> Mark Cook decided he was going to name names, and he did. And it was interesting that the players that were named who were kind of obsessed with the ping pong table. I'll give you a hint. Was, Brett Grimes was one of them.
1: That's not a hint you just told us.
0: Well, the hint being most of them are not with the team
1: anymore. <laughs> and I wonder if that's by design.
0: Maybe the ping pong table was a honey trap.
1: Maybe. That's funny. That would be funny. You know,
0: <laughs> this is a conspiracy theory level stuff here, but you know, I wonder if they brought Cutter in or not brought Cutter in, but for the past couple of years, they've been knowing they're going to get Bruce Arians because, you know, they they drafted Noah Spence, and he's an outside linebacker. I'm sorry. You know, he was never big big enough to be a defensive end, and he just never he's never fit the position. And then we get Vita Vea, who is the quintessential nose tackle, and we have the offense basically set up exactly how Bruce Arians likes it. I mean, if you look, he's not replacing anybody on the offense. Offensive line's the same, running backs are the same, wide receivers are the same except for Deshaun and Humphreys, which you know, we just couldn't afford those two. Mm-hmm. If we could afford them, they would still be here. Yeah. Tight ends are the same.
1: It's funny that you bring up Noah Spence because Larry Foote said that Spence was played as a defensive end, but he's not a true defensive end.
0: No, right. And so then maybe they did set the ping pong table up. This is all conspiracy theory, I don't believe this. <laughs> They've got to put that, it's like the Alex Jones I know this
1: sounds crazy, and it is, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway.
0: So maybe the, well, you just brought it, you just sparked it in me. Uh, Maybe the ping pong table and the basketball hoop's were honeypots to see who was serious about playing football or who was just there. I don't
1: know if they started out that way, but they certainly have become that. Chicken or the egg?
0: Yes, don't know. Interesting theory, though. It's just, it's just mighty coincidental. (laughs) I know. Hey, steel beams don't melt. Is that too soon?
1: Is always gonna be too soon. That's true. That's
0: not. That's not something Joe Let's stick with Alex Jones comparison. <laughs>
1: Let's listened? align ourselves with that, Alex Jones. That guy is crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, so, he's
0: definitely entertaining.
1: I can't. Um, no, I can't. I listened to him briefly on Joe Rogan after they like fall out all the time. Yeah, and so they fell back in, and it was shortly after he'd been banned from YouTube. So Joe Rogan brings him on, and I couldn't even get. The, you know, this podcast. I think he was on the podcast for like five hours. It was like a five. And he podcast. would talk for five hours. Right, Joe Rogan. Normally, it's like three hours, Matt. No, this was five hours. I didn't even get through the first hour. I don't even think I got through thirty minutes. He's just so intense and like, like, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it.
0: It really makes you wonder, just what type of person is like that. He he is just so intense. Joe Rogan says that he's like that all the time. That's not an act. And this guy's. Why are we talking about Alex Jones? I don't
1: know. <laughs> we just got off on this Look, weird tangent. This is so... His this, this like, is. conspiracy theory rabbit hole.
0: He, yeah, he...
1: Ralph, did we go to the moon?
0: It all depends. <laughs> yes. There's which no the shadows on which which the, moon? the moon. Well, I have a theory, not a conspiracy theory, that everybody believes in at least one conspiracy theory. And this has been proven by me, a- anecdotally. I love doing that. And people be like, I don't believe in conspiracy theories," So then I'll start throwing stuff out there, like... uh how many people killed JFK?
1: Yeah, that's mine. That's the one yeah, I believe right. in the JFK. I'm like, mm, there's something fishy there. What's yours? I don't have one. Oh, that's bull! <laughs> no, 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 that is such a cop out. What?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I've never really thought about it.
1: Come on.
0: That's a. Uh, yeah, All that's, right. You
1: know what? You now, got me there. Yeah, that's such a bait and switch. Well, now okay. you let me like sound like I'm crazy. <laughs> Here
0: at Alex Jones' I know. Info Wars, <laughs> name some conspiracy theories.
1: Okay, 9 was an inside job. Nah, I don't believe that. JFK. Nah. The moon landing.
0: I definitely believe we went to the moon. Did you know
1: I saw... Oh, Obama is a secret Muslim socialist. I'm not going
0: to comment on that because <laughs> I'm not trying to lose half our fan base.
1: Um, <laughs> okay,
0: so we'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible.
1: What about the dinosaurs? Do you believe in the dinosaurs?
0: That's an interesting one. I mean, I, I, I believe in them. But see, my conspiracy theories make scientific sense.
1: Uh-huh. They all do. That's <laughs> how they get people on their side. All
0: right, let's get off okay. this and get back to what really matters in life and has to take a the Buccaneers. So Molly has been watching these press conferences. And,
1: you know, you, like, over-promised me on this one. <laughs> You're like, Molly's going to watch... All the rest of the press conference. You didn't realize it's how many like, there were. There were so many, and I got through on like five.
0: Yeah, that's what? Five is almost two hours? Probably. Yeah, 20 minutes a piece. So I'm going to have to do
1: the rest of them for the next podcast. My I guess. math
0: was totally wrong on that. I, I said know. five at 20 minutes a piece. No, these 20. were
1: shorter. They were like 10 minutes max. So I got through like an hour.
0: So what do you got for us? I know the ones I watched were just great. <gasps> these
1: are. Coaches just have so much personality and they're giving so much information and they're all very unique people. And they just very, let it
0: pull shine through. Yeah. They, they don't it's hide so their cool. personality. So cool.
1: And it's not like BA just hires like a certain type of person. Like they're from all different backgrounds, you know, former players, young guys, old guys, old
0: experienced coaches. I mean, yeah. Claude Christensen was our quarterback's coach in the
1: 90s. <laughs> Over. they're just great i you know and so Todd, i'll start with kevin garber he's our wide receivers coach i always think of kevin garvey so from did, the leftovers
0: did you listen <laughs> great great show by the way such a good show one of the few shows that had a really good ending Not and like, they
1: didn't they didn't the series didn't go on too long right yeah they just stopped
0: it right in and they didn't get all involved in the who And you wish that you hadn't had
1: had more time, yes. but yes. it was just enough. Wrapped it, was. it Very up good perfectly. Show.
0: And that guy that made so here we go. Just We're I know, here tangent. we go.
1: Justin Thoreau. He
0: is really good. Phenomenal. And he's a comedian too. He I likes.
1: know. Right. Tropic Thunder, Zoolander.
0: That was incredible when I found out all that. This is a really intense actor. He's like a shorter. Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah, he's married to Jennifer Aniston, but I think they're divorced now.
0: He was married to Jennifer Aniston? Yeah.
1: They met on that movie where she and Paul Rudd went to, like, a commune, and he was the hippie guy. <gasps>
0: that's right. I yeah. remember that.
1: So he met her on <laughs> the set. The guitar
0: set. was, like, all wheeling. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's funny. See? He's just got such a diverse background. Yeah. The Leftovers. Watch it if you haven't. It's on HBO. But
0: the, I wanted to ask you real quick. The, did you watch... The defense or the offense, or were you just watching? I just watched random order? ones. Oh, random ones. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I want we got to see gotta this keep guy. a list because I want to get through all of these.
1: Yeah, I have them. I have all my notes from who okay. I've listened to.
0: Okay, how many total are there? Do you? Know? I
1: don't know. We have so many coaches.
0: Twenty-nine. Some, Is that correct?
1: I think. I but, don't know.
0: But yeah, I mean, they had the strength and conditioning coach.
1: I know. Out. They brought and everybody. That, yeah. Which is awesome because you're learning everybody on the team.
0: Yeah, I wish they'd do that every day. I'm sure that the coaches don't want to be doing it.
1: Yeah, some of them definitely didn't. You could tell they weren't comfortable in front of a camera like Meryl, one of the female coaches that we hired. You could tell she just was really not interested in the limelight.
0: Huh. Todd Bowles, he did not seem like he wanted to be (laughs) out there. I
1: haven't watched that one yet because, you know, I don't know why I just haven't watched him yet. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was good. We but... talked about him briefly last time, so I wanted yeah. to get through some of the ones that we hadn't talked about.
0: Okay, well, then we'll do that. I'll shut up. Okay. I'll stop interrupting you with okay. these trains of side thought.
1: Kevin Garver, wide what receivers. What would they be called?
0: Side trains? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you just shot me. Okay, for real this time.
1: Kevin Garver, our wide receiver's coach. He was a little boring, I'm going to be honest. The only tidbit I got from him was that Mike Evans is kind of taking a leadership role, but he leads by the way that he works. So he's uh, leading by example.
0: Yeah, not a big fan of
1: that. Uh, not really, but I could see him being the leader of the wide receivers, obviously. He's our best receiver.
0: Yes, and he has got a really stoic
1: He's got a strong presence.
0: Very strong presence. He has matured so. We're talking about Mike Evans. Yeah. Right? He has matured so much since he has become a Buccaneer. Because I remember the first couple of years he was here, I was worried. Well, the first year, definitely. I was when worried.
1: he got drafted and that video came out where he got into a fight at a club and yeah, his girlfriend exactly. was out there. He was acting and just, all
0: silly and yeah. stuff. He jumping over cars and beating his chest. And everything. Exactly. In the first year, he was doing some really dumb stuff. I remember we lost a game one time because he caught the ball. With, with, like, 15 seconds left and fell down on the ground and acted like he was hurt, and they ran 10 seconds off the clock because of that. And,
1: yeah.
0: Uh He wasn't hurt. And remember, he used to complain to the refs almost the every yeah. play. And, yeah, he just had a real...
1: He's just grown so much as a player. He's hurt oh, yeah. so much. And I wonder... He, he has a young child. Yeah. I, I wonder think. if it's becoming a father.
0: Ain't nothing that'll straighten you up quicker than having a kid. hmm But when we met... Mike, and talked with him. We talked with him for quite a while. I mean, I was sitting there going, wow, this dude sounds like a wise and 40-year-old person.
1: And very modest.
0: Very modest, which surprised me.
1: Yeah, for what he is, one of the best receivers in the league.
0: The best receiver in the league, thank you.
1: Absolutely. I misspoke. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad that he's one of the leaders on the defense, and now we think of him as a young guy because, what, he's probably 25? No more than 25 for sure. And a veteran presence. He's been on the team that long.
0: That's crazy. It just seems like yesterday.
1: I know. Didn't Lovey draft him? I think so. Because he was, or no, we had him when we had Vincent Jackson.
0: I think they played together for a year or half a year before Vincent Jackson got yeah, hurt. Yeah, he's age
1: 25. Mm. <laughs> in your face, in whoever your face. doubted you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he was drafted in 2014.
1: So that was Lovey's That'd first be season.
0: Lovey. Yep. Which means Jason Light. Yep. Because Jason Light was hired by Lovey. Right. (laughs) It's strange. (laughs) Head coach gets to hire the Jew.
1: I know. So that was really the only tidbit about the receivers I got.
0: Okay. (laughs) We carried that one out for 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With our side trains of thought.
1: (laughs) Then Todd McNair. So remember, he is the disgraced. Running backs coach oh, that's from right. USC. That's right. He's been battling me. the NCAA for years after the whole Reggie Bush scandal. That he was a collateral damage in that. I feel bad for the guy.
0: Don't feel too bad for him. He's got a pretty decent job now.
1: Yeah, but he struggled for yeah, a long he did. time. He tried to sue the NCAA. He hasn't worked.
0: Yeah, from what I read, he got shafted. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that, was, he, that was
0: really interesting. Story you brought up with all that. If, if, if nobody, if you haven't listened to it, go back to the podcast.
1: It was so long ago. I did retweet the articles that I wrote.
0: Yeah, so the podcast was podcast episode 32, part two. So it could have been part one or part two where you discussed timing there.
1: It would have been 31.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't episode 32. It would be episode 31, part one or part two. We're trying to figure this out.
1: Oh, thir- it's 31.
0: Okay, episode 31. Episode 31. Molly's got it nailed down. Yeah, I got this. So yeah, it's very interesting, the story behind Todd McNair. Do you want to recap any of it? or I think I I did a little bit. Okay.
1: To my satisfaction, I think.
0: (laughs) That's what matters. That's what
1: matters. (laughs) In any case, Todd McNair came from USC. That was the last coaching gig he's had. He's been coaching high school since then. Rojo came from USC.
0: Ooh. So
1: they have kind of that connection there. He, again, said that they're building Rojo's confidence. They
0: all talk about that. Anytime they talk about Rojo, they talk about his confidence.
1: Cutter did that last year. He yes. said the same thing. What is
0: up with that? I mean, does he, like, lope around the building or something?
1: Okay, so McNair also said, I don't really know Rojo that well, but he seems like he didn't have a strong male figure in his life coming up. <laughs> what? So I'm like, ooh, that's kind of a weird thing to say without having anything to back it up. Yeah. And so... I looked up Rojo's history and sure enough, it's freaking sad as shit. He, he, um, his parents divorced when he was about 10 and his mom moved. He moved with his mom and his younger siblings. I think there were five of them. She adopted three because she was a social worker. And so his dad was in the military and worked at a base and he had some kind of heart condition, was on the heart transplant list in the military. Yeah. I think he was like a doctor or something. No, not at all. He's a logistics specialist.
0: <laughs> That's close to a doctor.
1: Close. And he was on the heart transplant list for a year and died oh, in 2012. Rojo was 15.
0: Mm, okay. So
1: they divorced when he was 10 or 11. And that was the last time he lived with his father. And then his father died several years later. So McNair was kind of right on the money there, and the it's an article on it's sportsonearth.com. I might retweet it because it was really interesting. But it talked about different instances in Rojo's life where he was like really shy. Like they went to a football game and had post-game field access, but Rojo hid behind his dad basically the whole time. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, he was small then, but it's just, I think, kind of his personality. Huh. And he went to USC and, like, begged his mom to come home his freshman year because he was just homesick and he had never really been away from home that long.
0: Well, I know college freshmen that have done that before. Right. You know, it's, That's true. Well, it's kind of a common occurrence you know, but
1: Right, but it just kind of seems like his personality a, is a little a more sensitive, stuff, yeah. which I think B.A. is the perfect person for him.
0: Yeah, anybody going to build your confidence is going to be B.A. Absolutely,
1: and someone who can really read what type of person you are Uh and be able to adjust for that, that's what B.A. does.
0: Well, that'll that be extremely interesting because Rojo just didn't do anything last year. I remember in fantasy football, people in my fantasy football, our fantasy football league, were talking about drafting Rojo because everybody was talking him up so much. And he was, you know, nationwide on the national broadcast, people were Talking about who to draft, running backs and everything. Rojo's name was mentioned up there quite often. And he didn't do anything last year. I mean, he had, what, 23 carries? Yeah. 27, somewhere in that yeah, area.
1: Yeah, 23. It was, you were right on the money.
0: And, I mean, that's just, what is that all about? Reminds me of Noah Spence. Same thing, you know? You draft these guys high and you don't use them. What is that all about?
1: They asked what Rojo's issue was with his catching. Because that was the thing he's kind of got...
0: Stone hands. Yeah,
1: I was trying to think of the word. What do they call it? <laughs> Bricks for hands? That's what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> House hands. Wall hands.
1: In any case, McNair said he's got really weird hand placement. and
0: Yes, I heard that.
1: Yeah. And...
0: so his elbow is up too high or something. Right.
1: So McNair has this game that he would play with the kids in Pop Warner when they had trouble catching the ball. Uh So he started playing it with Rojo. And they'd be catching the ball, and Rojo would, like, you know, McNair would throw it kind of in a star, like he'd throw it kind of at your face and then maybe over your shoulder and then maybe down low. And Rojo would go to catch the ball, and his elbow would be all weird or, you know, in a weird spot. And so... Even Rojo would say, why am I doing it like that? Like, he would catch himself doing it mm-hmm. in the moment and figure out, oh, here's my issue. You know, here's where I'm kind of catching it awkwardly. And this well, is causing at least a problem. See
0: seeing the problem. Though.
1: Exactly. And so McNair is like, I don't want to make a big deal about it. I'm not going to hold him back after practice to work on his catching. I'm not going to bring it up in front of the other guys. I'm not going to let the other guys bring it up. Mm-hmm. He said, because it's a confidence issue. And if we... It's it's hand placement and confidence. So if all you ever talk about is how bad his hand placement is, that's not going to do anything for his confidence.
0: Right, yeah, the exact opposite, I would think.
1: So he's like, I'm not making it an issue. We're not talking about it. He's going to work through it, and it's going to be fine. So huh. he's doing the little game with him, but he's not making it a huge deal because that will just make it worse.
0: I'm sitting here, and you're saying... He's playing a game with Rojo that he the same game he played with Pop Warner kids again and all this. And I'm thinking, why do we have a professional football player on our team who you have to play games with to get them to play? And then I realized what I just said. <laughs>
1: what? You know, they're playing
0: a game. Yes, they're playing a game for a living. And I'm like going, why does he need to play a game to learn how to play a game? But
1: this is the good question that Jenna asked. She said, and somebody else brought this up. It was Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coach. She saying, in college, the offensive line, they don't do, like, a lot of complicated blocking. They're basically just bodies. Right. So, when you now get them into the NFL, it takes a lot longer to develop an offensive lineman. Yes. Because they just don't do anything in college. They're just there.
0: Yes. I've, I've always said that the hardest position to play coming out of college is offensive lineman. Yeah.
1: So... He explained that it's just you have to teach them all these different schemes and Mm -hmm. protections and all that. And it kind of relates back to what McNair is talking about, because Jenna asked him, so you spent all these years coaching Pop Warner now, and, you know, they don't necessarily have good hand placement in high school, you know, they haven't developed those skills. So do you think that that really translated into the NFL to be able to help people like Rojo, who these young guys who are coming out of college that don't necessarily have all these mechanics developed yet? And he's like, that's a really thoughtful question. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think I did.
0: Are you I, sure this was
1: Jenna that asked It, it that was, was absolutely Jenna.
0: <laughs> I love you, Jenna. You your, just, just messing with you.
1: I was happy to hear him talk so much about Rojo. It is kind of a big deal and you do, you worry about these guys as players because like what Byron Lefwich brought up in his press conferences that you get quarterbacks in the NFL, and they're really young guys. They're 19, 20, 21 years old, and they're putting a franchise on their shoulders. Yeah,
0: multi-billion dollar industry. Right.
1: And before they even get a chance to start their career, they're already floundering.
0: Yes, and everybody's attacking them.
1: Exactly. You know, they just hound on what's going on with this guy. And so to have a coach with that kind of empathy that can look at a player as more than just an asset. Hmm. Yeah, it's know, really refreshing. It's just yeah, seeing them as people.
0: Right. Yeah, I see that with all the coaching staff. They just really like you've brought up, they're building relationships. They're they're seeing these guys as people, not numbers. The, it gives
1: I think it gives the fan base a connection to the team, too. You understand what's going on with the guys and so maybe you won't give Rojo such a hard time because you're like oh well I could see how that would be super overwhelming or at least he's identified the problem and it's not a testament to him as a player but rather mechanics and maybe we can watch him grow as a player and overcome this obstacle you kind of root for him in that way
0: I feel like I'm more attached to this team in the past few months than i I have been in the past decade. I think so, too. You know, it's, it's just the the, finding out all the stuff about the players and the coaches. It's just they're just lay everything out there. And you you get invested in them that way.
1: I think so, too. And you see what the coaches are trying to do and accomplish here, which we never got with Cutter. Cutter no. was so married to his scheme that none of that really mattered. It wasn't that they were trying to build something. It's that they already had something built and they were trying to plug People in to yeah. make it work.
0: Explosive plays, fifteen yards. <laughs> right. I mean, that was the definition of Cutter's football team. Yeah, both offense and defense. It was like the offense was supposed to get fifteen yards, and the defense was supposed to give up fifteen oh, yards. Yes. <laughs> That's what it looked like. <laughs> I, you know, bringing up the young players, that was something that I've always been impressed with with Jameis. I don't know if any other Buck fan out there has had this issue, but when you tell people you're a Buccaneer fan, they almost immediately go, "What about that Jameis Winston?" And then they bring up his off-field issues and all that stuff. They don't really know much about anybody else on the team, but they know about Jameis Winston, and they all, to a man, think he needs to be cut. I don't think I've ever met any non-Buccaneer fan who you know agrees that you know Winston needs a second chance or he's a good football player, he's a good person. No, they're always like, hey, could you imagine being Jameis Winston? Here you are, you know, Buccaneers do have probably the smallest fan base in the NFL – That means all the rest of everybody else thinks you're a jerk and hates you and all that. Not that they wouldn't anyhow because you're on the opposing team, but they dislike you personally because of your off-the-field issues. And he's young. Could you imagine being that 21, 22 years old and having just people all across America hate you?
1: All of your failures are very public.
0: And amplified. And you're
1: being judged for all of them and made fun of.
0: Yeah, and the fact that James Winston has survived and not only just survived but flourished, I mean, you know, he's a good quarterback and he's getting better every year. I think that's a testament to his character. I'm proud to have him on my team.
1: I agree with that. That's a very good point. Thank you. We got a running back in, we picked him up in free agency, Bruce Anderson, right after the draft, like he was an undrafted free agent, and we picked him up.
0: And he used to be with the Broncos?
1: No. He's coming out of college. I think he's... Oh, oh, oh okay. He's Yeah, we yes. picked that running back up. Right, got you. McNair said that he's a, a good route runner. He's good at catching the ball out of the backfield. And he's stout with a willingness to pass protect. With a what? A willingness.
0: Okay. <laughs> Did it not was. come out like no. that? It's like a...
1: <laughs> Sometimes my tongue just gets too big for my mouth. <laughs> so we have that to look forward to. He thinks he's very versatile, it sounds like.
0: So, it sounds like our running back stable is set. We've got Peyton Barber, Rojo, Andre Ellington, Bruce Anderson. I mean, we're only going to keep four running backs, right? Maybe five,
1: Maybe we'll get somebody on the practice squad. Oh, Sean Wilson, don't we have him? Yeah.
0: Okay. Forgot about him. Me too. Hmm, that's going to be interesting.
1: I think Rojo's a big question mark, but it sounds like... I don't know, the
0: way they keep talking about him, they sound like he's going to be on the team. They just got a lot of work to do with him.
1: Yeah, he's developing. How much he'll develop before the season starts, I don't know, but...
0: Yeah, if he doesn't develop enough, they might just cut him.
1: Well, they might keep him, but he, he'll be in kind of a limited role, which um, is fine, great. too. Great,
0: that's all we need, him in another limited role this year? What, is he going to catch 30? <laughs> or gonna get 30 carries this year?
1: Todd McNair played under Bruce Arians at Temple. Right. He was the running back there. They asked... What were some rules that he's learned from Bruce Arians? And he had a few. Some of them didn't quite make sense. You can tell he's <laughs> definitely been out of the limelight for a while. Uh-huh. He's a little rusty on the podium a rusty on on of the... there. He'll get there. He'll get there. But he had really thoughtful answers in general. And I really enjoyed his press conference. So I don't want to knock him that much. He's just not quite as polished yet. But. The first rule was you find four yards, which we heard Goody say that in his press conference. Like, all we want from our running backs is get four yards. That's all we need. Right. You get a four-yard average, you're doing pretty good. He also said, you take one cut and then you live with it. You don't do a bunch of, like, bouncing around, trying to juke a guy out.
0: Oh, thank God.
1: I know. <laughs> I can't
0: stay running back to do that. I know.
1: Well, I, didn't Doug Martin used to do that yeah, a lot? Yeah, he
0: would, man, he would bounce around so much back there sometimes.
1: Speaking of which, the Raider, Raiders brought him back.
0: I saw Doug that. Martin. Yeah. Well, they, they lost Marshawn, so.
1: Yeah, they needed him.
0: They drafted a running back, too, though, didn't they?
1: Probably. Yeah,
0: because Marshawn being gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was one of their three first-round picks.
1: (laughs) Probably. Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coach, he was a cool guy, too. He was really interesting. Definitely, like, a gruff football coach. Like, your high school football coach is what he reminds me of.
0: Cool. Yeah. Those are the kind of coaches I like. (laughs) Me, too.
1: Me, too. Like, he was, like, the football coach and the gym teacher.
0: Yeah. You know? My football coach was the art teacher. Can you believe that? No. Yeah.
1: What kind of art did you do?
0: (laughs) A lot of uh, manual art, like sculpting and stuff. Okay.
1: uh, Wood carving. Yes, a
0: lot of wood carving. Yes, why are you joking around? And if you were good at it, he would yell at you if you were on the football team. (laughs) Yeah, I got, he gave me an A grade for a carving I did one time and then got mad at me because I was, you know, he's like, you're a football player. You're not supposed to be an artist. And I was sitting there going, you're the art teacher. What's that? Yeah. You know, and the football coach. So.
1: You should have brought that up.
0: No, double, you did, no, you didn't with him. Double standard. He was one of those gruff coaches you did not talk back to. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, to>, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, you talked
0: back to him. You were getting a swift kick in the butt, and you were off the team, no matter how good you were.
1: As far as evaluating the linemen that we have, he said they didn't look at the tape to see where they were deficient, he looked at them to see what they could do, okay. which again, I like, yeah. I like that, where they're like, we don't know, we want to know what you can't do, we want to know what you can do.
0: Interesting. That's a different way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess if you harp too much on them loafing, <laughs> you're just going to build resentment. <laughs>
0: well, who are you talking about there? I can't imagine. I can't understand.
1: imagine. They did want to draft offensive linemen, but the guys that they wanted were taken before we could get to them, and they didn't want to reach. They didn't want to bring in a guy just for the sake of bringing in a guy. Okay.
0: Oh, huh, that's interesting.
1: I thought so, too.
0: So they didn't draft for need. They drafted for best player, basically.
1: Yeah, who they wanted. He said they yeah. had a list of players that they wanted. And, and if that
0: player wasn't there, they didn't
1: exactly. draft that position. Exactly.
0: That's That's good.
1: Kappa and... Benenock, they're still trying to figure out where they fit in.
0: <laughs> is it on the team?
1: I don't know. Well, a
0: lot of fans would prefer they fit in somewhere else. Right. Maybe Jacksonville. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that kind of makes it sound like Earl Watford maybe is starting at right guard. I'd have
0: no doubt that he's starting at right guard. Yeah. Now. Which I
1: like that. And again, Caleb and Kappa are both young. So right. it's like what he said. It takes a while to develop offensive linemen coming out of college because in college, they're not a whole lot more than bodies on yes. the field.
0: Yeah. Ben and I definitely showed that. <laughs> he was nothing more than a body, especially <laughs> the first half of last year. But I, like I said, I he improved greatly towards the end of the year, and I liked the way he was playing at the end of the year.
1: We had that one still where he has a defensive lineman (laughs) on his knees and Beninok's hand is up on that guy's neck, pushing him backwards. Was
0: it Green Bay? Who was that? Oh my goodness. That was great. I
1: almost want to say the Giants.
0: Yeah, he was. He was playing vicious there. But the, my favorite one was the one where we had the still shot of him turned around facing <laughs> the quarterback with two other guys, two defensive linemen standing beside. They were all three were running towards they the
1: quarterback. They were going to tackle the
0: quarterback. <laughs> <guys. laughs> they did not join the other team to tackle the quarterback. Oh, gosh, that was, we must have cried. We were laughing so hard about that.
1: He'll be better this year. He
0: just got spun around, and he was...
1: Couldn't get out of the stampede. He, he
0: was running with the defensive you line. You
1: run with the herd, or else you get in trampled. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Okay. And Kappa played decent, I thought.
1: Yeah, again, he's young. He's going to develop. Yes, yeah, so that's gonna, what they
0: look like, guys that play young.
1: Yeah. Yes. The mission statement, so to speak, for the O-line is get five guys on the same page and have them be smart tough and have them finish. So he did talk about playing to the whistle, and he said we weren't always playing to the whistle last year.
0: Who was he talking about there?
1: I don't know. <laughs> that's a really good question. Donovan? I have no idea.
0: Well, that's good. Those are the three things we want. You know, definitely two of them I harped on all last year. Toughness and finishing. Yeah. Our, our offense line was none of those two. Right. Although, like I said, Beninock was getting tough at the end of the year. And, you know, Ryan Jensen... You know, he's kind of tough, when he got penalized, those two personal fouls, which were complete BS. I yeah. challenge anybody to go back and watch the film. He got flagged. He hit these guys before the whistle blew. He'd hit them, whistle blow, flag come out. Yeah. It infuriated me. I know. If you've to this podcast, you know. But go back and watch. He did nothing wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. You might could say, oh, he was a little rough with some guys. But that's not a penalty, although it's good.
1: Actually, it's called unnecessary roughness. <laughs> it's exactly a penalty.
0: <laughs> but, you see, you're doing the unnecessary part. That's why after the the whistle was blown. I mean, he wasn't, like, running over to the bench and kicking guys in the face. He was blocking guys through the whistle. There you go. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Let's move on.
1: Hey, I'm not knocking him. I liked that. I like seeing that. I like nasty offensive linemen. Do you remember Josh Freeman? Gosh, was this a lineman?
0: That pulled that guy off of Josh Reumann?
1: No, that came in out of nowhere and tackled somebody that was on top of Josh.
0: Was that Joe Hawley with Winston? I think it was Winston. Oh, it was
1: Winston. Yeah, he
0: came flying in and just clobbered that dude. And then started to fight.
1: Yeah, and there were flags, I think.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's what I love to see.
1: That's what I do, too. Especially your offensive linemen. Like You want them to protect your quarterback at all times. Yeah, and
0: since Joe Hawley has left, we haven't had that. If you watch the tape, we don't have our guys defending Jameis Winston when he gets sacked or gets hit or anything like that. They're not running over and you know, like forming a circle around him. Yeah, like and
1: pulling stuff. guys off of him. Yeah, and...
0: or even helping him up.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a big thing I noticed with Donovan. Like he would watch Jameis get sacked
0: and then stand there,
1: and then stand there and
0: no, yeah, and wouldn't help Jameis. Jameis. Yeah, even though he was standing two feet away. Right. Because he likes to get close to the action.
1: I guess. In his spectator role. In <laughs> the front row seat. <laughs> he likes the front row seat. Uh, he got it a lot.
0: Yes, he did. <laughs> Very much. I don't think I've ever seen an offensive lineman facing the quarterback as much as Donovan Smith has in the past four years.
1: Donovan. Joe Gilbert was with BA at Indianapolis and under Chuck Pagano. He said in all of his time as a coach, he's never seen. Anybody with BA's ability to get up a player's ass one minute and the next minute have his arm around them. He said, I've never seen anything like it.
0: Maybe he's bipolar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's the whole Bear Bryant philosophy, which I wonder if Bear Bryant was an NFL coach, like how that would translate.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, BA coached under Bear Bryant. Right. Big, big fan of Bear Bryant's philosophy. Yeah. So
1: that's what he incorporates into his. Coaching philosophy, basically, it is his coaching philosophy.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Bipolar might not be what it was it's split personality, schizophrenic. Maybe. Yeah, if yeah. he's switching, good,
1: good cop, bad cop, <laughs> <laughs> all in one. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, BA is like taking a back seat, like he's letting the coaches, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, currently, right now, he is.
1: Uh, Joe Gilbert said, no, not necessarily. Make no mistake. This is BA's offense. BA's in all the meetings. He said, come the, when the season comes, he's going to be a lot more involved.
0: Right, I bet. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> running people over with his golf cart out there. <laughs> I, I love the golf cart. Yeah, I, I just picture it with a, a martini, a, drink, or something. Yeah, or,
1: a bourbon. A
0: bourbon <laughs> driving around yelling at people.
1: Get off my lawn! It's perfect in Florida. They have all the golf courses, right? Don't they have a ton of golf courses?
0: Yes. And They're like known
1: have, for their golf courses. Just about
0: everybody I know that lives in Tampa has a golf cart.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's true, too.
0: Yeah, they do. Drive around the neighborhoods in the golf cart. At the clubhouse, like, Half the funeral procession pulled up in golf carts.
1: <laughs> Were there lights on? You know how you turn your lights on <laughs> for a funeral procession?
0: Yeah, these are deluxe golf carts, too. They got lights and horns and <laughs> all the other stuff that deluxe golf carts have.
1: Cup holders? Oh, yes. I imagine that's very important. Two
0: per seat. <laughs> double you don't want
1: to spill your drink. <laughs> and if
0: you do, there's another one.
1: <laughs> My favorite interview was Nick Rapone. Who's the safeties coach. Yeah. Ira Kaufman and the Joes talked about him in their last podcast. Mm. And I was oh. like, oh, I got to see what they're, what oh, they're talking yeah, about. So he's like, like from Sopranos yeah, like straight out of Sopranos. He didn't have the hair gel, but he had like the jet black hair. He's in his like late 60s. Uh, um, is
0: it dyed hair?
1: Probably. Yeah, yeah. That was the point I was getting at. Okay.
0: Um,
1: there was no hair gel.
0: Because he's like, forget about it. <laughs>
1: Exactly like that. But he was so candid, and I'm glad that Ira brought it up because the interview was hilarious, and he gave a lot of good information, like a lot. Ira and the judge were talking about how he gave too much information, and they probably won't let him in front of a microphone anymore. <laughs> because. And they were, of course, analyzing all the stuff that he said about the personnel. I don't, you know, it's so early. You don't know who's starting where. And they might say one person's a starter and then it turns out another person is a starter. It happens all the time. Nothing set in stone this thus far. So I don't think it's a real big issue what he's saying about the different players and personnel groups and who we're going to have. He spoke so highly of Todd Bowles. Really? He did, he, and it's definitely Todd Bowles' system. What he said is that Todd has like a huge group, a huge bundle of plays, and he analyzes who we've got, what they can do, and he starts sculpting our playbook based on all that. He said it's different. Every defense is different.
0: Yeah, I remember, I was talking to you about that the other day. Buccaneer fans, you, y'all, if you've been a Buccaneer fan for the past I don't know, 20, 30 years, well, actually ever, You've never seen a defense like this. I've been watching Todd Bowles' defenses with uh, Arizona and the Jets. And I'm telling you, every play, I look at their defense setup, I'll pause it, and I'll look at it, and I go, I have no idea what they're doing. It is different every play, and it's not your standard fare. You don't have four down linemen, three linebackers, or three down linemen, four linebackers, or you know, nickel packages. The stuff you expect to see, and that we're so used to at Tampa Bay. You know, the 4-3, everything's almost always the same. Every now and then you'll have one less linebacker and one extra quarterback. That's mm-hmm. basically the only difference you'd ever see. No, this is, a, it's like a an amoeba it yeah. changes constantly. But the thing that fascinated me was I never, from play to play, it was never the same. Never. I could not identify his defense. He just couldn't do it.
1: Nick said at times, well, we're going to have five safeties. That's a the, lot of safeties. Yeah. I mean, they're so important in this system.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, they rush a lot. They, they do a lot of <clears> blitzing. <throat> the safeties come in. He doesn't have, he doesn't keep two safeties. You know, we're used to having you know, basically a cover two where we have two safeties in the backfield, every now and then we'll play a cover one or cover three. Where we have one safety in the backfield, yeah, you don't see that with this defense. I mean, their safeties are right up on the line. Every now and then there'll be a safety out in the back, but generally those safeties play up where the you know right behind the linebackers and they blitz
1: in. That's what they like about that Mike Edwards that we drafted is that he's smart, physical, and can blitz.
0: Yeah, we're gonna see a lot of blitzing. I think when I charted out Mike Smith's defense a couple of years ago, we were blitzing. Gosh, I want to say 8% of the time. And it didn't change a whole lot when Smith got fired and Monken got in there.
1: No. Uh, Duffner.
0: Duffner. And it didn't change a whole lot as far as blitzing goes. When Lovey was in, we blitzed around 10%, 12%. And even with Shiano, we never broke 20% blitzing. With with Todd Bowles' defense, I mean, we're going to routinely be breaking 40% blitzing. He blitzes a lot. And by blitzing, I mean bringing more than four guys.
1: I can't remember who said it, but I think it was Ba that we're gonna rush a lot, but you stop your you stop the run on the way to the quarterback. Yes, that was. I think it was Ba said that.
0: Yes, that was Bruce. Arians. No, wait a minute. Who? What? Okay, yeah, we'll go with Bruce Arians.
1: Yeah, because I haven't watched Tom Bowles yet, so yeah, I think d- it that was
0: d- I love that.
1: I do too. Yeah,
0: rush the quarterback, stop the run on the way. It's genius. I know. It's so simple too.
1: They like MJ Stewart for that, actually.
0: I have heard every coach, defensive coach, talk about MJ Stewart it's like Noah Spence.
1: Well, that's what the Joes were kind of bringing up. That now, what are they doing with MJ? Because now it sounds like he's not going to be a starter. But I don't, I don't agree with their assessment. Well,
0: you know, I, here's what I think. Not to interrupt you, but I'm going to. The whole defense last year cannot be evaluated on what, on how they played because Mike Smith. They had such crappy defense in there and had these guys playing so weird that I don't think you can evaluate them on their film. I don't think you can.
1: And I don't really think this coaching staff is trying to.
0: go well, good, because...
1: I think that they're looking at overarching characteristics of the players, but not...
0: Their performance last their year. Their
1: performance, yeah. Good. For instance, they said Jordan Whitehead or Nick Rapone said this, when Jordan Whitehead is a true hammer that he likes to hit people. There you go. Yes. (laughs) He's like, that kid just likes to hit people. He does. (laughs) Which I love. He
0: was like a torpedo last year.
1: And then with MJ, he's probably going to be our nickel and then some free safety. And in Todd Bowles' system, the nickel is the number one person that blitzes. So somebody asked why MJ is going to be nickel this year when he was benched last year as a nickel. And Nick Rapone said he's just so physical. That's why they're going to put him there. And nickel is also run support.
0: Yeah, with Todd Bowles' defense, they blitz from everywhere. Yeah. I mean, literally, I'm telling you, Buccaneer fans are going to be freaked out when they see what's coming on the defensive side of the ball, it's nothing like we've ever seen in Tampa Bay. It is just weird. It's, that's all I can say about it. I mean, it's weird. It's attacking. It's attack, attack, attack.
1: Is that like weird in a good way?
0: It's, it'll be good if we win. But it's just weird watching it because, like I said, you can't identify the defense. You, it's hard to figure out who's playing what position on the field. You know, because c- you look and everybody's close to the line of scrimmage, you know, relatively. You don't have anybody deep. And they're all kind of moving around. You don't know who's the safety, who's the linebacker, who's cornerbacks. <laughs> Half time can't figure out who the defensive linemen are. It's just very strange. Like I said, it's like a, it's, it's like water. It's just constantly moving, and it's a different shape every time. So it's gonna be interesting. And then as soon as that ball snapped, there's guys flying from all different directions.
1: Does it work though?
0: Depends on what you mean by work. I, I think as far as pressure goes, yes. The quarterback does not have a long time to throw the ball. Stop the pass. That's going to be totally up to the cornerbacks because they almost exclusively play man coverage. We're going to get burned a lot on slants. Other than that, it works, I guess. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. With Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, I am not worried about Cam Newton. Me neither. Like I said, I think Cam Newton physically, he's he's already hit his peak. He's on his downward way, and he's all about physicality. So I think Cam's one foot out the door. But other than that, I think our defense is just going to obliterate him. Because we're going to have guys coming from every direction. And our guys are not small. We Mm -hmm. don't have small players now. I mean, all these guys we've drafted are big, you know, for defensive backs. So, Matt Ryan and Drew Brees are the ones I'm worried about. Mainly Drew Brees. Because Matt Ryan, you know, his big thing is precision. And when the defense screws up, that's when he attacks. But... Drew Brees is just really good at you know being precise in these timing routes.
1: But I wonder. Okay, so Matt Ryan, well, both of these guys, Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, they're veterans. They've been around the league a long time. They've seen pretty much everything.
0: Yes, but Todd Bowles' Bowles defense is different than
1: most. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at is that they really haven't seen a defense like this before, right?
0: They might have a couple times, but no, they're not. They're not used to playing against this type of defense.
1: And. Drew Brees is good at reading a defense as well. Yeah, Matt
0: Ryan is too. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: they both are. So if you can't really tell what the defense is going to do, how do you play to that?
0: I I sat here and I'd stop. And I'm definitely not Drew Brees or Matt Ryan. Right. But I would stop to play looking at the coaches film. And I'd sit there and I'd look. And I'd try to guess what they're going to do. I was wrong every single time. (laughs) You can't tell. You don't know. I didn't know who was going to drop back in coverage, who was going to rush, who was going to run support. You never know.
1: Interesting. Like I this, don't know. It could work to our advantage with those two.
0: Yeah, especially see how they're both very rigid.
1: Yeah.
0: Quarterbacks are, you know, their team is rigid. They're rigid. You know, they like things. Boom, boom, boom.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're not going to allow them to do boom, boom, boom. We're a dis- we going to be at the very, very disrupted defense.
1: They have a very um, distinct identity. As a team. Yes. Although... Which comes straight
0: New, from the quarterback.
1: Yeah, but uh, New Orleans does get a little tricky, so they do sometimes have a trick up their oh, sleeve. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. With, uh, especially with McCarthy and that s- stupid quarterback they got. Hill? Yeah. Jerk.
1: McCarthy?
0: Camara. Uh, uh, I was thinking of somebody else. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I say Hill's a jerk. I just say that because he's really good. I know. And he's going to be there for a long time. That's all I was mean. like... Anyhow, back to... Your analysis of the press conferences?
1: Deion Buchanan, which Nick Rapone, I think, was there when he was drafted in Arizona. Oh, okay. So he's a little oh, familiar so, with him.
0: So Rapone's been in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, yes. What did he do there? Safety's coach? Yes,
1: okay. I think. But, you know, they call Buchanan the money backer. Right. And we're all just kind of like, what does that even mean? He said Buchanan's perfect in a situation where maybe there's two tight ends and a running back. Because he plays with the linebackers, but then he can succeed against those type of teams as a safety. Hmm. So we have some versatility on the defense with a player like him. So he's
0: a safety that can cover tight ends and running backs. Yeah. But also a safety that stops the run with tight ends and running backs. Yes. Okay. Makes sense to me. I watched a play week two at Arizona 2015 or 2016. I can't remember. day did a beautiful play, a screen pass to the running back. He read it master. It reminded me of Levante David, the way he saw it, recognized it, and then weaved and out between everybody. Nobody even knew he was there. And then as soon as that running back caught the ball, boom, De'On was on top of it he was tackling <laughs> for a loss. It was a beautiful play. Just want to bring that up.
1: That's cool. I can see him and Levante working in tandem.
0: Yeah, they seem to have very similar. Levante's more athletic and seems to have, you know, Levante's just got a great football sense, you know, he says. But uh, De'On's very stout. He's not the kind of guy that's going to get blown off the block and you know be out of position at all. I don't think I've ever seen him out of position. Mm. Of course, that's not saying that much because I haven't watched all of his tape, but...
1: That's very refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> we got caught out of position so much last year. Oh, my goodness. Last tidbit, then, then I think we should wrap this up because we got Game of Thrones coming on. Ah! I know. Is that Nick Rapone said that B.A. hires teachers, so he does the hollering. <laughs> B.A. does. Oh. <laughs> and then he said... Nick said, "I think there's more poor teachers than there are poor students." Ooh, yeah. How are you doing? yeah, yeah, I think so too. So it was a really good, really good press conference with that guy. I hope they have him on more.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. I like to. Uh, I'm gonna have to watch that one. I haven't seen that one. God, what a list of press conferences! Got and
1: I'm her. not even done. Like I, I couldn't even get through all of them. I did watch Larry Foot, but we're just gonna have to save that for the next podcast because we're already at over an hour.
0: Yeah, all right, we're gonna wrap this up, guys.
1: If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach me by email, Bay at buccaneersobserver.com. You can reach Ralph at ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. We're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. And you can check out our website, buccaneersobserver.com.
0: You sound so professional when you do that. Thank you. You're all like just straight out of an advertisement.
1: I think I just listen to you say it so much. It's just in my brain. And yeah. then I can just don't even have to think about it. Just you were doing the voice fluctuations
0: out. and everything. All right. Uh, next time we're going to wrap up some more of these things. But my Molly's got a couple of more press conferences she's got notes for. But we just we don't want this to be three hours long. And plus, like she said, Game of Thrones get ready to come on. So until next time, guys.
1: Go bucks.